0: So uh the all of the the fallout from this Uma Thurman Tarantino thing which has, has been turned interesting tragic yeah it has turned really tragic but, suicide uh, yeah and uh you know I mean I guess, I guess it was always tragic but you you're, just just generally from you know that and the Harvey Weinstein thing and Rose McGa- yeah I mean all this all this stuff is 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 kind of hit the new level for those who don't uh haven't been sort of keeping up with this um the fallout from the Harvey Weinstein thing continues to sort of go in all kinds of unexpected directions. Uh, the, uh, Uma Thurman finally came out and said her piece, which was more than just Harvey, uh, Harvey's attempt at a sexual assault on her, but it, was, it involved uh, you know the, yeah. what she always thought was, a, was some kind of possible, apparently, some kind of possible attempt to do her harm with the car, or at least to cover up. The event, uh, a stunt gone wrong. It wasn't even a stunt. It was just her driving a, a car yeah, on uh, yeah, Kill yeah. Bill and then a horrible accident that put her in the hospital. And then all these years later, Quentin, you know, got her. The, she interviewed with Maureen Dowd in the New York Times. Uh, said some things that people took to be negative about Quentin, who then had to do a follow-up interview with Deadline mm. to explain how he helped her get the footage. And then on top of all that, we just, we we had the uh, Rose McGowan's former manager committed suicide. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Because of her, you know, suffering from depression, her name being dragged through the muck. So, we've we've hit kind of a new level on all this stuff.
1: Um, yeah. Um, the the suicide. Uh. Rose McGowan's former manager turned executive. Uh, at Miramax. At Miramax. Yeah. Uh, and the family and,
0: statement explained all of yeah, that, it's, and it's, it's
1: a whole set of complicated set of things. Things that happened twenty and twenty-five years ago. Sometimes, uh, oh man, it's just all it, it, it got. It, it it got tragic. It it was ugly to begin with, um, yeah. and, uh, and 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 certainly, uh, lots of people were. You know, the chickens were coming home to roost, and all of that but this um that that suicide really threw me for a loop that that shook me that tells you how deep this really penetrates and
0: it's and it also and and not you know I'm not going to assign any blame on anybody here there there sometimes tragedies happen and and uh, nobody really is to blame it's just you know things happen but um It does, you know, we've entered a phase with social media and everything else where nothing is filtered, nothing is edited, nothing is, you know, it's like it comes out of your id, and it goes through your thumbs onto your phone, and you hit send, and how many times uh, every month... Do we hear the tweet has since been deleted <laughs> right, yeah, right you know uh, it, it, that, that, tweets get deleted more than newspaper articles ever were retracted
1: Oh, uh, you 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 know man, I gotta tell you, uh, uh Twitter, right, yeah, uh, for a long time, I avoided that whole incomplete, then it became a necessity for work. You remember yeah. when that box office they made uh, us yeah. mirror the whole thing uh, uh, I, those
0: were some angry discussions oh, on my end,
1: yeah. And, uh, and, you know, whatever, I have a Twitter account, and I, you know, I tweet about the movies and this, that, and the other thing. But i got to tell you, I'm really glad that I have never been one m- much to tweet my opinions about mm-hmm. anything. To yeah. the extent that I have ever t- uh, tweeted an opinion, it might have been because I shared something. I suppose that in some ways, if you share yeah. something, uh, that's your opinion. But, you know, never one of those little snarky statements, yeah. you know, that people tried to pack into that 140 when it was yeah. 140, you know. Yeah. Like, I never tried to be that clever. Uh, here's the reason why I'm not that clever and and B I'm certain that nobody gives a (laughs) what I think about most of these things I really Mm -hmm. you know movies people there are some people who care what I think about movies Yeah. so I talk but most of the time I'm certain that nobody cares what i think about anything so i take it and i, I just I set it on the side i talk yeah. with you i talk with mark i mean we have our little conversations yeah. but i have never really thought that the whole wide twitterverse yeah. needs to know what tim thinks yeah i'm glad I that, that i was at least that judicious uh, <laughs> low these, this past decade I, I have, there are no tweets i need to delete
0: yeah and that and see that's a good thing is is you know i don't need to delete any tweets that's a great metaphor for life yeah Anyway, so, you know, as, as we continue to watch this, we will, uh, this is going to go in all kinds of strange directions, well, this it, ongoing it, thing.
1: It'll have to go on at least uh, through the Oscars. Yeah. You know, because, you know, they, 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 things will have to be accounted for. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see the way that they, they'll be the last word on it, so to speak. Yeah. Um, um, March 4th, and then, you know, whatever happens after that will happen after that, but that'll accrue to the next year. Yep. Uh, so you know I don't know it's going to be interesting
0: and then uh, one last plug we do have our film week
1: Oscar show coming up
0: Uh, so you can go to uh, all the all the information should be at scpr.org Southern California Public Radio, uh, scpr.org. If you're in the Southern California area, uh, grab yourself some tickets. Yeah,
1: that's going to be Ace Hotel,
0: the Ace uh, Ace Theater uh, adjacent to the Ace Hotel in downtown LA at 929 South Broadway, and that's going to be Sunday the 25th. Tim and I will be up on stage along with the rest of the Film Week crew and Larry Mantle, and uh, giving you all of our obnoxious Oscar pontificating. Uh, it's a great place. It's a great time. It's it's always a fun time. Yeah, we will not be talking about me too. Won't come up. No, Won't come up. <laughs> it's not. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with the movies this year, though. There's a lot yeah. to talk about, and a lot to talk about this week with DVDs. There's my segue. Uh, Tim, I'm going to start off with some PBS stuff and some Criterion's. You know, we got three amazing Criterion releases right here uh, that uh, I just I I think this is a wonderful kind of global cross-section of classic films from bygone decades, and uh, and notably the decade that is my favorite decade of movies, which is the 1960s. I just think some amazing movies were made in the 1960s all over the world. And the three we have got here are from uh, three very, very different cultures and societies, and they are all great, and this is the solidarity of cinema. First up, uh Satyajit Ray's The Hero, a the great Indian director, the great Bengali director of the uh, Apu trilogy and many many other amazing movies. In 1966 he made The Hero. And uh this is a this is a, a, one of his first um this is when he was really starting to get some you know uh, bigger budgets and better caliber of uh, production value and Mm -hmm. ray was able to sort of flex his muscle a little bit much like the the uh, the new wave filmmakers were in france you know they started off making things like uh like breathless where godard everybody on the sidewalk is looking at the camera uh and uh know it's really raw and eventually you know it starts to get more polished um this is a this is a much more polished ray film and uh, it stars the uh, the amazing Utam Kumar, who was a huge uh, Bengali film star at the time, who plays uh, basically a variation of himself who and, and it deals with the issues of celebrity and how you cope with celebrity and public popularity and uh, uh, it's it's a it's a really interesting character character study and it's very much inside the film industry not just the you know the bengali film industry or even uh, bollywood which is of course separate from Be- yeah. bengali but uh you know hollywood as well uh, there's a lot of stuff here about just the nature of celebrity and the way that it deals with it in a in a in an almost surrealistic way at times you know ray gets a little bit hyper stylish here which is not typical of his usually neorealistic approach um, this is a wonderful, wonderful film. It has a, a new program on it featuring film scholar Mahali Sen, who talks about you know, all that stuff that you wouldn't understand, you wouldn't necessarily see if you uh, were not a, a scholar or a student of uh, various Indian filmmaking styles. Uh, there's also a 2008 interview with uh, actor Sharmila Tagore, and uh, a, the subtitle translation is brand new as well. So that is on Blu ray, the beautiful film by
1: Ray the Hero. You know, you know, most people don't know he was six foot five.
0: Ray was? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, no, most I knew he was lanky. I didn't know he was that tall. Six
1: I mean, I, I can only. I can't think of any other people from. Uh, yeah. you know, that tall. He's the only one. That his that.
0: Uh, when I when I taught film uh, history, the one of the crucial texts that I, I asked them to read, you know, not the all of, but certain pieces of, was uh, our films, their films. Yeah. Which is his uh, series of essays, meditative essays about you know the Western films that inspired him and how they obviously change contextually when you filter them in to a different culture. Uh, It's it's an amazing book on filmmaking. Talks about Chaplin and everything else. It's Mm. really, uh, you know, he was was a a scholar of cinema too, Ray was. Really an amazing, amazing man. And jumping over to Japan, An Actor's Revenge from 1963, Kon Ichikawa, uh, one of the seminal figures of the Japanese New Wave. Uh, You you know, I am, uh, I love the Japanese New Wave. I love it for its rich diversity and the fact that it is just all over the map. There's no sort of, it's not like the French New Wave uh, or German, uh, the the new German cinema where there's a the,
1: the young angry men. Yeah, 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 the
0: the thing that they do where you yeah. can't say oh they all do a thing. The Japanese New Wave was just all over the map. They did whatever the hell they wanted to. Yeah, got Ozu on one end, yeah. and you got Oshima on another. They just there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it, and that makes it a really really interesting movement um this is this is a really good film it's not one of my favorites, but it really represents the sort of surreal hyper theatrical end uh of this kanchikawa um here kind of tapped into kabuki theater to create the whole hyper stylized very theatrical nature of this film it is uh it takes a little getting used to it's uh it it feels a lot longer than it's one hundred and thirteen minutes um but it's it's uh it's very, very interesting. If you know more about kabuki theater, you'll probably enjoy it a lot more. Uh it deals with uh, you know, this female impersonator and uh who's trying to, you know, get vengeance for her parents' deaths. And uh it is it it becomes um a very interior journey as much as it is a, a movie about revenge. Uh it's really beautifully shot, unbelievably beautifully shot. The transfer is really fantastic. Unbelievable widescreen, two point yeah. three nine yeah. widescreen here, uh, and the Japanese use scope probably better than anybody else in movie history. Yeah, uh, really tremendous looking film. Uh, so I would recommend a big TV if you're going to watch this because if you're watching on a smaller TV, that 2.39 is going to look like a little ribbon through the <laughs> middle of your screen. Uh, you you want to you really, you, you soak this in, and better if you watch it on a 4K TV with like uh, some oppo-up conversion. It'll really, really do it justice. Uh, this is a 4K tra- uh, restoration. Of course, not 4K. Uh, it's, a, it's a Blu-ray, but it comes from a 4K restoration. Sound is great. Uh, there's a 1999 Director's Guild of Japan interview with Connie Chikawa, and uh, a new interview with Tony Raines, who is a uh, film critic and uh, and a programmer, and uh, a really, really interesting essay by our Lafka colleague Michael Schragau. Yeah. Uh, so there's some great stuff here, and this is this is one of the oldest films in the uh, criterion collection. It, this was part of the Janus Library long yeah. ago. And then the last criterion title is the Oscar winner from 1963, Tom Jones by Tony Richardson, which was one of the, uh, the, the British New Wave uh, films that sort of put them over the top. Uh, 19, also 1963. And uh, Tom Jones is a really interesting film for a lot of reasons. This includes the original 1963 theatrical version uh, 128 minutes, as well as the 1989 restored director's cut, which is shorter. Uh, mm. Tony Richardson, God bless his heart, took a look at what he did as a young man in 1963 and said, um, I fell in love with a few things a little bit too much. Let's yeah. make this film better. And he took seven <laughs> minutes out.
1: Smart, smart, smart. Dude.
0: Smart man, right? Uh, God bless him. Uh, anyway, David
1: Warner. I love David Warner in that movie.
0: He's so good. Everything in this movie is... is this is a little bit of a wacky movie, too. Yo, you got yeah, to remember, hard
1: uh,
0: this was uh, the film that won Best Picture the year after Lawrence of Arabia. And so you have a bit of a British moment there, but two very different directors. David Lean, very much rooted in the classic style. Tony Richardson, part of this new kind of crazy, funky 60s movement. And so you have, like, Benny Hill-type speeded-up, you know, under-cranked action, and you got some really bawdy jokes in yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of, uh, you know, sex is a big part of Tom oh, Jones. Oh, everybody's,
1: everybody's trying to get in Susanna Yorks. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> you couldn't get away with any of that today. It's yeah, right.
0: based, you know, John Osborne, uh, the great playwright, uh, adapted it. It is, a, it is a really, really, really fun movie. Uh, you just have to remember it's very much of a moment. Mm. And uh, Albert Finney you know, one best actor for this and uh, it's kind of, it's one of those Julie Andrews moments, right? He was originally supposed to play Lawrence of Arabia, didn't get the part Um, and then the the year after Lawrence of Arabia wins, he takes home best actor. uh, So it's great all is well Susanna York just wonderful uh, and you know so much great and great stuff on here tons and tons of stuff there's a new bit on the uh, cinematography there is a new interview with uh, Duncan Petrie who's a film scholar who talks about how significant this was in the British industry uh, a 1982 episode of The Dick Cavett Show with Albert Finney oh get out isn't that great that's fantastic it's fantastic it's so good and uh, they talked to Vanessa Redgrave as well about Tony Richardson who yeah. of course was her husband yeah and it is why all of uh, Vanessa Redgrave's daughters, Jolie Richardson, mm-hmm. Tasha Richardson, Tasha why they're all their names Tasha. were all Richardson. Yeah. Uh, he he was uh, he was their dad. So Tom Jones, another wonderful Blu-ray from Criterion. And shall I shall I blow through the go hey, go 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 yeah. Go. yeah uh, no, you know. uh, so uh, let me pull up the we got a bunch of a, a bunch of great PBS docs. And I'll go through these fairly briskly because they're all, they're all worth uh, checking out. So here's what we got. Uh, slavery and the Making of America, narrated by Morgan Freeman. Uh, PBS documentary, four episodes that uh, deal with the economics of slavery, which is something nobody ever talks about. It's Very sort of solid documentary film. Really them. good, yeah. right? Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was an institution. We fought a war over it. We got rid of it. And nobody ever talks about, you know, I mean, one reason that the South didn't want to get rid of slavery was their economy depended and on it. It was built on it. and, and, and it was it's, built on it's, it. It's,
1: it's, it. The movie Mud is one of the movies. And yeah. that situation, that sharecropper, tenant farmer situation comes out of the collapse of the slave situation. Yep uh and and that's what that that movie is all about it's really really interesting it's about the numbers it's yeah. about math and when you when you take it and you think about it like that it's a whole different thing
0: and it, and it's and it and it does take a different perspective on it and it looks at you know the di- north and south and economic development and the ways in which slavery was part of it in many respects, a broader division between economic development
1: in the country. It's really, really interesting, really Slaves well would have never worked in the factories of the north. There were people down south who, who thought about, look, all we have to do, you, you know, you have to, like, no, for one thing, you got all these Irishmen up here yeah. up north. What the yeah. hell are you going to do with them? Yeah. You know, uh, anyways, very it's fascinating, really good fascinating. stuff. Fascinating. Uh, Extreme animal weapons. This
0: is an episode of Nova that is totally awesome. Uh, it'll make you scared of animals. But basically, it goes into why animals have the defense mechanisms that they do from, you know, stingers to antlers to horns and everything else. Really, really cool episode of Nova. A lot of fun. Uh, gets into pretty violent stuff, too. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, seriously, when rams lock horns, man, that is just <laughs> brutal. Oh, the thing animals do oh. to each other. Another episode of NOVA called Bird Brain, Discover the Intelligence of Birds. Um, Which are I, dinosaurs, by the way. Most people don't know that. Yeah, right? But
1: birds are dinosaurs. Birds
0: are m- m- more closely related to dinosaurs than than, than, yeah. A, than uh, yeah. reptiles Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. of the feathers of and yeah. the warm blood and the whole thing. The structure of the legs. And, and we, we, we
1: know some wacky crap, dude.
0: We do. It's kind of weird. But uh, in any case, uh, this is really fun. Uh the thing that clearly they didn't look at, though, are hummingbirds, which are the stupidest creatures on the planet. I love them, but they do not have the common sense of, of a subatomic particle. They are the dumbest things I've ever seen. They are dumber than pigeons. Pigeons are smart enough not to fly into your house and then not know how to get out. Yeah, no, okay. yeah, hum- yeah, that, yeah, hummingbirds. I, I'm just going to share a thing here. What's going Some on? Some years ago, hummingbird flew into my mother-in-law's house around Christmas time. Apparently, because it wanted to sit on top of the Christmas tree, we were on ladders and on chairs with mops and brooms swatting through the air with wide open sliding glass doors, trying to get that thing out. It could not find its way out it's like we shut the lights out we covered like there was only, there outdoor that giant opening will take you back into the world. This thing would just not it, it i mean it took about it took about forty five minutes of four people chasing <sighs> this thing. From chandelier to treetop to finally get it out. Could not figure it out.
1: (laughs) That's hysterical. At least
0: with flies. You know, when I used to get house flies. even bats. Even
1: bats. Bats are trying to get the hell out.
0: A common house fly comes into a room. I would make the room dark, cover the windows, open up one door. It would see the light. Goes Go for it. The light. Yeah, yeah. Hummingbirds are not as smart as a housefly. They're <laughs> stupid. So that being said, PBS, uh, the Nova, in, uh, the Nova documentary "Bird Brain," uh, discover the intelligence of birds it, it is really good. Apart from that, um, Putin's Revenge, another amazing frontline documentary, which is, in kind of certain ways is almost outdated now. Yeah. Uh, this story just bobs and weaves and changes every single day, but. Uh, this is certainly a piece of the puzzle, and uh, for those who are following all of that stuff on the news, you will be uh, deeply interested in it because it gets into a lot of background on Putin as well. It is, it
1: is interesting in that the, uh, the the Russian election, the election, uh, the presidential election is coming yeah. up, yeah, uh, and, uh, and, and it's a really interesting sort of situation that's going on there. You know, he turned out to be a different kind of guy, yeah, yeah, uh, than, I, than than I thought he would be. I did. He did not strike me as one who would just go for the old school sort of oligarch, you know, the stalinesque sort of thing. You know, no, yeah. it's, you know, yeah, it's really disappointing.
0: Uh the Gilded Age has been uh, one of the latest pieces of American experience and uh it's really great. Uh the, you know, there's a, still a lot of discussion about was the Gilded Age a good thing, a bad thing, an essential mm-hmm. thing, an avoidable thing, uh what's the fallout of it? You know, this is the moment when the industrial revolution sort of just exploded and create. It's much like the like the digital revolution. Yeah. It created a whole new strata of millionaires and and wealth that that wound up being concentrated in certain industries and certain
1: places. And you had sweatshops, and we weren't quite ready for how to deal with it. New ways to work. Uh, and earned in, money, industry, uh, you yeah, know, steampunk and all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, it didn't occur to us that pro- children probably shouldn't be doing this work, and, and and very often we would kill the children. And it and it it was the first time in history that that wealth
0: was divorced from land. Yeah, where yeah. you you know, it used to be understood if you're wealthy, you owned land. If you want to become wealthy, you needed to own land. No, now you could
1: be a textile merchant. You
0: could you could, you could be a banker or you just could, a banker. Yeah, you could be a middleman. Yeah, uh, connecting money to money and making money and you could be somebody who literally didn't own a scrap of land and you were worth millions yeah. uh, so there were suddenly all kinds of ways that democratized earning money but didn't necessarily do it in an, in an equally yeah. you know, uh, measured way so it's a really fascinating period of history they are very good about not taking a side and sort of just laying out the 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 era, and it of course comes on the uh, on the eve of getting the uh, the television series, the Gilded Age, which is supposed to yeah. premiere on NBC, I think, next. Hey, fall. Look,
1: we got we got Carnegie Hall, so yeah. you know it's yeah. there. Yeah, so yeah.
0: that's that's you know the the sort of the semi sequel series to Downton Abbey in many respects. Uh, Queen Elizabeth's Secret Agents, a uh, a BBC documentary that was uh, aired on uh, PBS, which. Um, Is uh, kind of a kind of sort of a docudrama-ish thing, Uh, but it's this gets into the history of kind of medieval espionage, and uh, it's uh, it's it's fine. Um, I thought it could have been a little bit uh, a, a little bit less. I don't know, sensational. Maybe way of putting it. Mm. Uh, it feels, it feels, you know, like the 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 mixture of the dramatic stuff, the recreated stuff, uh, felt a little bit forced in some respects. I'm, I know you and I aren't really yeah, fans yeah, of that. Uh, that's okay. Uh, Arctic Wolf Pack uh, installation of nature just deals with Arctic wolves and it's great. Good photography, wonderful narration by Campbell Scott, and uh, you know it's a, it doesn't really break any new ground or anything. But you, you just you got to be impressed by people who go and do that Marlon Perkins thing and
1: <laughs> hang out with the
0: wolves forever. Uh, American Masters continues to be a great uh, great show. This I is love Bob, that Bob Hope doc. This is Bob Hope, and this is the director's cut, uh, two hours long, and. Uh, I, I still feel like it doesn't fully get underneath the skin of Bob Hope because there's a lot of Bob Hope stuff that ain't so flattering about yeah. Bob Hope. Yeah. So, uh, but he, you know what, he's, he's an American institution and they dug up everybody to talk about him from Woody Allen to Conan to our friend Leonard Malton. They never
1: really, they, they, for whatever reason, Bob's, you know, peccadilloes. Yeah. Bob liked the gals. Oh, Yeah. Uh, but he was married to uh, Dolores, yes. You know, and talked about Dolores yeah. and loved his, was with Dolores, everything and all of that. But Bob yep. was, but it just never it just never came up. No, I mean we we even talked about it with Bing. Well, Bing actually got the in, yeah, in, you know, all sure. But but not with Bob. Never came up.
0: Well, in any case, this is a, this is this is great. Uh, this is really really good American Masters filmmaking. Uh, and then we've also got let me pump through these last four real quickly. Um, two more novas uh killer hurricanes and killer floods uh which are will make you just absolutely terrified to step outside your front door uh the, these things don't come around that often but they come around often enough that uh people ought, who live in areas where this might affect you should know what to do and you should have your emergency plan and you should be ready to to do whatever we have we have killer earthquakes here uh they yeah. come around about every 20 or 30 years yeah we're about to do aren't we the big 94 boy <laughs> That was, a, you know, that big that 94. was four. You know, this is this is how I remember 92, 93, and 94. Those were my first three years at the Cannes Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, 92, while I was on my way to the Cannes Film Festival, the LA riots broke out. Mm-hmm. 93, uh, nothing happened during the Can Film Festival, but later that year almost saw my house burn down. Oh, I remember, dude. When the big Malibu fire came yeah. through and scorched three hundred and fifty homes, including all four homes around us and a half our backyard. Oh, yeah. That so, was crazy. Uh that was horrible. You remember the, the Oh yeah. The, yeah, that was a lot of clean out. And then ninety four, uh, was the earthquake. Yeah. On Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> i remember yeah. that very well four o'clock in the morning it was crazy it was insane uh and i was working at entertainment today at that time yeah yeah the, the santa annas were blo- oh man it was oh, man the, the salazar family nearly moved back to long island
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Not really they
0: were i remember i remember they, they, the rest of the next two weeks they the the, the, the betty these are the this is the people who ran entertainment today the newspaper tim and I, we worked for yeah. where, where tim and i met actually and mark wrote for them we all yeah, we all kind of orbited well, yeah, that yeah. And uh, I remember for two weeks, it was just like, we're going back to Long Island. We're going back to Long Island. I can't stand this. I can't stand this. The earthquake freaked them out. Uh, Um, And now we are due. Killer Floods and Killer Hurricanes, Nova. Uh, And then lastly, we've got uh, American Experience Into the Amazon, which is the story of Teddy Roosevelt and Candido Rondon, the Brazilian explorer uh, going deep into the Amazon and just being manly and uh, and dangerous. Uh, This all took took place in uh, 1914. They had a big old team with them. This would make a great movie. That's what I kept thinking. I'm like, you know what? Screw the documentary. Go and get some actors and you know, shoot this as a, as, a, as a dramatic movie. This is really, really great adventure. I'd love to see this recreated. Um, th- you know, there are things that happen along the way that make this incredibly dramatic. Mm. It's not just a bunch of guys go down, you know, shoot, do a little bit of hunting, enjoy the Amazon, take a tour and come home. There is crazy stuff that happens that you could not write into a script. Yeah. You've got to check this out. Into the Amazon by American Experience. What a great subject. And then lastly, Havana Time Machine, which is uh just taking a look at Cuba and specifically Havana, and um trying to find a a non-political positive way of looking at the way that the place has changed and uh and being you know, trying to sort of find a a musical way of defining the trajectory of the country. I, mm. I hope that explains it without going into any uh you know, giving anything away. There's some interesting stuff here. And, uh, if you, if you are a fan of a Buena Vista social club a movie, which was part of my life for a year and a half, because yeah, my, my yeah. wife worked on it. Uh, this is a nice compliment to it. So it's definitely worth checking out. Havana is a beautiful, beautiful city, no matter what you think about Cuba politically and all that stuff in the history, it's still a beautiful city. And it will be for a very, very long time and crucial part of uh, Western hemispheric yeah. cultural and musical heritage. Uh,
1: can't get away from it. Can't get away from it. Uh, want to pop over to a little bit of TV? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Animal Kingdom, uh, the complete second season. Of Animal Kingdom, of course, based on that wonderful movie, the wonderful yeah. Aussie movie. From but, movie, this movie, movie. This the but this takes place here. But this takes place here. They trans a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, there, including you know the great Ellen Barkin. What I like mostly about this is you get to see people you haven't seen in a long time. True. Uh, on the show, but you know, it's more or less the same sort of gritty family dynamics going on uh, here. Uh, this particular season is about a big old heist that they're trying to pull off, uh, which is you know neat enough. Uh, special features in, uh, includes a featurette and uh, featurette and some uh, deleted scenes and whatnot. Interesting stuff there. Homeland, believe it or not, Homeland started in 2011. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a while ago. I I think about Claire Danes. First of all, Claire Danes for me will always be, you know, my so called life. Claire Danes. I fell in love with her way back then and had an interesting little movie career for a while, Claire Danes. She did. Yeah. Uh, uh, Before this series caught on, and she sort of grew up on this series where Mm -hmm. she plays a bipolar CIA. bipolar. Operative.
0: Have you seen the new season commercials? No. She. Look, if she's been out of her mind in previous seasons, she is she's cranked it up to 11. Uh, from what it looks like with the new season, she, she's just completely out of her mind. She's flipping out.
1: The, to be honest with you, I always found that theme in this show as just a little, a little, forced. little bit. Yeah, I'm like, really? Yeah. You got to make her bipolar. Like, actually bipolar. And the worst she gets, I mean, I get it. She's good at the things that she yeah. does. But, I mean, that, that chick is bananas out of like, her mind. She's going to get us all killed.
0: Like making, like, making Tony Shalhoub. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Giving, giving, giving you know sort of disorders and disabilities to uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the characters yeah, just a, yeah, the, yeah. Little,
1: the little glitchy guy yeah. anyway well, uh, whatever uh, uh, that's what this is complete sixth season uh, lots of special fe- features over there Jessica Biel and Bill Pull- Pullman in Sinner um, uh, season one did not watch this um, uh, while it was running and then uh, you know the, when they popped up I started checking them out and actually it was pretty good Jessica Biel was quite good in this series uh, young Mother, uh who she plays, uh, and uh you know, this is just a this startling sort of act of violence discovery. She's got this little boy, this is why. Did she do it? Did she not do it? One of those kind of things going on. A lot of uh, a lot of bonus features here. And and again, this is where great actors go to hang out. Bill Pullman, mm-hmm. out, who was in the the Battle of Lefty Oh, the Ballad of Lefty Brown. Yeah, which we talked about like two weeks ago. Yeah, it yeah. It, it, it's really kind of neat little western. Yeah. I like you, you. You like Hostiles a lot. I and like it, left. I like the Lefty Brown movie. quite I a I like them both. Too. It's a different kind of movie yeah. than Hostiles, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I like the movie anyway. Bill Pullman, uh, still knocking it out. So that's outstanding. Uh, and then we're gonna do well. Well, actually, we're moving on here. This is the complete. Uh, this is Master. The Lee Van Clef, Timothy Van Patten series. This, this is so cool.
0: I know. That thing is what it ran for like a half a season, I think. It didn't even but it was, you know, it was like the first attempt at doing kind of a martial artsy uh samurai
1: thing for TV. I could, I remember this is like this is like the early eighties. Yeah. yeah. About nineteen eighty four. And Lee Van Cleef and this guy, they would go around in this van, uh basically doing like equalizer yeah. stuff, like you know, good guys gonna yeah. But it, it, I, even then I thought where, why? Is, why, is, why are the it's martial a, artists a yeah. middle-aged white
0: guy? You know, yeah. What's going on here exactly? It, it's a little, it's a little silly, but it has a cult following. Yeah,
1: it was a lot of fun actually. I really like, but I thought it was a little wacky back then. I, uh, even
0: I think, I think you know, I've always wondered why Lee Van Cleef ha- continues to have this long following, and and he does. He has a, it's a really he casts a long shadow as a as a character actor. And I think part of it significantly has to do with uh, his role in. Uh,
1: Well, Uh, he was. was Escape from New York. Yeah, that's it. Escape from New York. Oh, you know, you can go way back. Of course, you can go
0: back, but there was a certain generation that discovered him in Escape from New York. Yeah. And uh, didn't hadn't known him from, from before from that from,
1: from yeah the, the, the Getty western
0: stuff yeah and they and that was that sort of has maintained his popularity with a generation that's now you
1: know in their 40s and 50s and he learned to sort of wink and smile at himself a little bit by yeah. the time you, by the time you get to that series that's yes, for sure the master uh, you got the kids of hall in the yeah, hall yeah kids over there. kids in the hall the
0: complete kids in the hall is out again uh, with a uh, from Mill Creek. Uh, with a digital copy and DVD set. This is, uh, if, you, if you've if you missed any of the previous, I think this may be the third or fourth time that Complete Series has been released, uh, it's it's worth picking up if you don't own any of the others. Kids in the Hall was one of the sort of seminal um, sketch comedy shows, a yeah. bunch of guys out of Canada, uh, very much in this sort of SCTV vein, but edgier. Yeah. They really, they took crazier risks.
1: Well, you know, they, 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 they Played with the fact that some of the members were gay, yeah, uh, and, and and worked with that. You know, I, this is this uh, Hall is going to be about uh, late eighties, about thirty years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, SCTV is just a little bit before that. So they played with they played with some of that stuff. Came up with some really sharp characters. Ran for and, five seasons and leaned into it. They really gave us Dave Foley. Uh, yeah, just, you know, some really great they, stuff. They, there are a lot of actors
0: came out of this. They have none of them went on to those kind of. Um, uh, super careers that we saw for people from SCTV no. or from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you come out of Saturday Night Live with a, with a head of steam, boom, you got a movie career you co- or a TV career at the I very least. I shot at it at least, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave Foley's sort of the mm. one. News radio. Yeah, yeah Dave Foley yeah. kind of is the one. Uh, there are a few others who... who Made a, a decent go of it. Uh, Kevin McDonald, Mark McKinney, none of them really ever just blew up big after the show, and that's too bad.
1: I keep hoping they will. Scott Foley was always just fun to watch, but he would pop up here and there. Yeah, you would have thought that there would have been some sort of, you know, Scott Foley, yeah. you know, Comedy hours. Well,
0: I mean, he he did voice the uh, the the lead in Bug's Life. True, which was which is a big deal. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it's a lot of fun. I uh, you know I still I still do that to people. This is how I know I'm I'm really old. Whenever I'm around anybody who's in their 20s, even their 30s, and I go like this, and I go, I'm crushing your head. <laughs> they don't have, they have idea. no idea. They look at me, and they just think, you are a weird old dude, man.
1: It's like, no, it's a reference. <laughs> Say something about Miss, Mr. Bill, and, and then have yeah, a right. idea like, Mr. Who? Never yeah. mind. Uh, the, <laughs> that's crazy. Anyway. 100 Years of Horror, hosted by Christopher Lee. This is the uh, one-season series that ran back in 1996, hosted by Christopher Lee, which was actually kind of neat. Uh, everybody would show up in this series. Uh, of course, you're Roger Gorman, uh, you're Roger Corman, but he had interviews and footage as he talked about all of the great horror films over the years, and and played clips and everything. So you you see Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi and Lon Chaney Jr. and Vincent Price and Cushing and Claude Rains, just all of that stuff, and references to the Mummy and the Wolf Man and all, you know, all just all these great old Universal uh Carl Lindley uh, would would Christopher Lee sort of working his way through all of it doing that thing that he does uh in the way that he does it. So that's th- this is that and it's pretty neat. Uh I re- actually remember watching this every Saturday. It was a syndicated show. Uh uh in, in the 90s when it when it was coming on. Loved that show. So new
0: movies, we've got uh, a 4K ultra HD Blu-ray digital copy combo set with HDR high dynamic range to make your enjoyment even better of Daddy's Home 2. <laughs> That's what you want to max out your home theater experience for in 4K ultra HD with HDR to watch Daddy's Home 2. Mel Gibson's crow crow feet sphe- <laughs> have never looked so pronounced. John Lithgow's freaking goiter and, and bald head. They just blow up on your screen. So here's the deal. It's such a terrible movie. Here's the thing. The and then and and I, I will in fairness say this comes with a digi- a bonus digital copy uh of da- the original Daddy's Home. So if you didn't see the original Daddy's Home, they are trying to coax you into getting this to say, well, we'll let you see clue you in on the original movie, get your bonus copy. Here's my advice. Go buy the original Daddy's home. Mm-hmm and don't watch this.
1: <laughs> Just pretend like this did not happen. Pretend like this doesn't happen, because like it, it kind of
0: ruins, ruins the original film. Uh, the, the original Daddy's Home, I thought, was a really it's cute, movie. very cute, clever, smart movie, and some great jokes. This is like if somebody told you a great joke and then didn't stop at the punchline, <laughs> and then kept on telling you stuff that wasn't funny, and then started to explain it. Uh, it just doesn't work at all. It's it's really unfortunate. They sort of ruined a good thing. Um, the idea, of course, is the same thing that you got with Meet the Fockers, which yeah. is, you know, it took a great idea and let, let's add another generation on top of it. And, hey, we'll cast Mel Gibson as uh, Mark Wahlberg's dad and John Lithgow as Will Ferrell's dad, and now we get double the fun. Everybody got to buy that second beach house. That's all that matters. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, it does, It's just, and, and, and on top of that, there's a, and, and again, if you haven't seen Daddy's Home, I'm not going to give it away, but there's a terrific gag that comes at the end of daddy's home which ties into another movie another comedy Mm -hmm. and uh which ties into an amy schumer comedy i will leave it at that and it's a great reference and it's really funny and now it's not even a throwaway joke now it's a whole new thread in the movie and it just it, it, it sort of loses all that steam it's really unfortunate i i'm just so disappointed and i you know four k i mean I guess may i am sure some people
1: love this movie, but i just i can't i no can't. no, they don't they can't. No. No, they don't. They don't like <laughs> okay. I just don't think so. Uh, new movie, Roman J. Iswell Esquire, which I think we thought we might have been talking about. Well, he's, about no, he's nominated. He is, in fact, nominated. Yeah. Which, uh, and, and, and and if there was one thing to happen uh, vis-a-vis, it would be his nomination. Yeah. Yes, he's To the extent that this movie works, and I actually rather like this movie, right? I like it thematically. I like what it's about. It's about this, um, uh, uh, this attorney, uh, this sort of savant attorney named Roman J. Iswell Esquire, Uh, whose mentor passes away and sort of leaves him out there in the wind because he's always had this sort of sheltered environment. And he goes to work with Colin Farrell at this sort of sharky law law firm uh, because he is, in fact, a bit of a savant. He knows the entire California penal code, all that kind of stuff, right? And he has this thing that he wants to do. And there's a twist and a turn and all kinds of things happen in the movie. But what we're really doing is hanging out with this guy inside his head, inside this person who's on the spectrum. He's on the Asperger's spectrum. And, and 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 working through his sort of very naive, almost childlike understanding of what the law is and the way yeah. it ought to work, and 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 feeling all of his pain when he sees it not working, uh, and I don't know, it was a very moving thing for me, and I love the way uh, is you know Denzel put on twenty five or thirty pounds and got himself that big old bushy afro, <laughs> and he's roaming around all the time, you know, listening to that Walkman, actually a Sony Walkman. Uh, music from the '60s and '70s and '80s, and and I get that this movie doesn't work completely, but it has this it ha- it has this interest, and I and I like where it's coming from.
0: Denzel has crossed a certain threshold, and I'm very happy for him because it takes it takes a long time and a lot of work to cross that threshold if you can, mm-hmm. and there are very few who have. Jack Nicholson crossed it. Yeah. Uh, Meryl Streep crossed it, and it's uh, and uh, Morgan Freeman crossed it. Yep. Uh, which is where you, you even though you're a movie star, you are now older and you're a character actor and you can play anything you want and they aren't marginal movies. Meryl Streep shows up in stuff all the time now. Yeah. And, and and an actress that age, to be able to get you know top billing in all kinds of movies, that's what you want. That's what you dream of your whole career. And then you're in your 60s and you're still getting starring roles. And then you're in your 70s, you're still getting starring roles. And then you're in your 80s, you're still getting starring roles. And that's where you want to be. Yeah. And and that's, where, and that's where Denzel is right now. He's, he's in that place where people just want to see him on screen, whether he's 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. They just want to see him, and they want to see him do interesting work and play interesting characters. And those roles then just come to him. Yeah. And it's a great place to be. I'm very happy
1: for him. And in some ways, I'm, I'm, you look, this, this movie will play better. Uh, uh, on uh, you know on, on your system. Oh, at for home. sure, yeah. Nice and quiet. Sit there all by yourself. You don't have to be with anybody else. You don't need to be in a theater. This movie will play just great, just like that.
0: So uh, we got a couple of a couple of dumb sequels to some dumb franchises. The Hatchet series. Victor Crowley. This is just uh, another Hatchet movie. It's the fourth one. Uh, you know, it's more the same. It doesn't do anything. That you have. <laughs> I just fell off my chair. Oh, that's okay. That's okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: We 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 keep it real. <laughs> uh, anyway, Victor Crowley, just another hatchet film. It's all the same gore, all the same stuff. If you've seen the other ones, seen this one, it's not really, uh, you know, it's it's it basically it's uh, Friday the Thirteenth in a swamp. I don't really know any of it. <laughs> it is. That's exactly what it is. It's Friday the Thirteenth in a swamp. Uh, give him a, give him a hatchet and uh, instead of a you know a machete or whatever it is that Jason uses, and then. Um, We've got another Pinhead movie in Hellraiser Judgment. Oh. The Clive Barker series, which is just way overextended. It's. Oh, man. Welcome. We're clocking close to 40 years now. It's just not. Uh,. If anything, they should be re- rebooting this. It doesn't have the imagination. It doesn't have the budget. It doesn't have what the what the series originally had and what it what it needs. This is a Blu-ray and digital copy, uh, Ultraviolet combo set. Lionsgate still on Ultraviolet, not yet movies anywhere. We keep hoping that they will sign on. I don't know what the issue is. Uh, I'm sure it's money. Anyway, uh, so uh, you know. Hellraiser Judgment,
1: there it is. If, you, if you-, you, you, you want to think about Clive Barker, do, do yourself a favor. Go look up any arbitrary YouTube interview of Clive Barker, let's say, in about 1980, 81, 82. Just you know, search Clive Barker interview, 1980, and, and see the person there who, who was in the interview, nice young uh, uh, fella. And then look up a Clive Barker interview from any time recent, any time in the last yeah. 10 years. Look him up and, and, uh, and play that interview of that same human. And it is, it's like he's not even the same human. The voice. and It's like, I, what the hell I did he do to himself? You know what I'm talking about. I know about. what you're talking
0: about. Oh, I know man. what you're talking about. It's, Clive Barker's a weird dude, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. and, and by his own admission. But anyway. He did something uh, terrible uh, to himself. Uh, another couple of Lionsgate films here on DVD only. Uh, these are, you know, straight-to-DVD uh, action-y things. Um, worth, a, worth a quick mention because they're, they're competent. They'll, you know, if you're, if you're a... Um, if you're a genre fan, you'll and you'll enjoy them both. Uh the first one is Doomsday Device, which uh is about a couple of uh you know FBI agents who uh, happen across uh this this ancient oh, how would I put it? It's it's an ancient thing. Now imagine imagine uh the last X-Men movie without Armageddon as an yeah. actual villain. Imagine Armageddon as a device. So, um, or some kind of an ancient artifact is maybe a better way of putting it anyway. Um, it's it, so it's kind of like Indiana Jones, uh, an Indiana Jones movie with FBI agents. I don't know. it's It's okay. Um, not a big budget, and they make the best of their money. Uh, and then Rise the Foot Soldier part two. I did not see the first film, uh, assuming that there is one uh but this is basically a you know a gangster saga and it's uh, it, it, it's fine you know the it's british organized crime and uh you know it's violent and it's got a couple of clever little twists in it um some decent acting so you know if you want to just see a little bit of uh, cockney gun action you'll enjoy rise of the foot soldier
1: part two mm. uh, i don't think you have to have seen part one if there even is a part one Uh, A little bit of animation here. Batman, Gotham by Gaslight, which takes the Dark Knight in Gotham and sets it in the Victorian era. That's all right. It's actually kind of cool. That's I like cool. I liked it quite a lot. Aside from looking just beautiful, obviously, yeah, it's you know, sort of all that Victorian, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, it's just really, really neat. Uh, the, the neatest thing about this uh, Bruce Greenwood uh, as the voice of Batman slash uh, yeah, Bruce Wayne. Uh, a lot of special features uh, on this thing too, including some uh, audio commentary and some sneak previews. It's just a lot of fun. I really look. Sometimes I enjoy. Um, uh, any other version of Batman than the, rather than the sort of live action. Christopher... I, like, I'm like, give me yeah. Batman in any other context. No justice. No nothing. You know, no Zack no. Schneider. Just get all of them out of there. Just make it a cartoon, and I'll be good to go. Nice little dark cartoon, uh, Batman. Same kind of difference as a film, uh, based on a bestseller. That um, uh, was sort of an interesting thing. It was a critic's favorite, uh, and everything. The movie didn't didn't do all that well. Greg Kinnear. Uh, and Renee Zellweger in this movie. Uh, it's basically it's about this guy. He's an art dealer, very successful. He's married to you know, Renee Zellweger or, or, or whoever she's playing anyway. And uh, some things are kind of going sideways. He meets this homeless guy played by Damon Hanshu. Yeah. And the whole sort of his involvement with the homeless guy, it's one of those, you remember a wonderful cast in film, uh, Silverado. No, oh. not Silverado, Grand Canyon. Love Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. It's one of those uh, where do, uh, people who are not likely to meet, except for that sequence in Grand Canyon with the uh, when Danny Glover and uh, Kevin Kline, Kevin Kline, meet with, with the broken down car after yeah, the Lakers game. The Lakers game and the Lakers yeah. still played at the, uh, at, the, at the at the forum. The, at the forum. Yeah, I thought that was a, that was a beautiful... This is one of those kinds of movies. Yeah. It has those kind of moments in it, and I rather like it quite a lot uh, for that. Uh, commentary on the Blu-ray from director Michael Carney and the writers, uh, Ron Hall, who uh, actually is, is, is one of the characters being played. Neat neat little movie uh, adaptation of a book.
0: So Angela Robinson wrote and directed a movie called Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, which uh, by both uh, open design and, uh, and original intent was was meant to capitalize on the success of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the backstory on this, if you don't know this. Um, Marston was a professor who actually did, in fact, create Wonder Woman. Uh, it was almost because he couldn't get work any other way. He'd lost his job as a professor, and he, so he created a comic book to sort of promote certain ideas about uh, gender and sexuality, to sort of put this into a pop culture... Um, into the kind of a uh, a a pop magazine format a pulp format and uh wound up you know striking it rich with Wonder Woman as a, as a hero as a heroine who wound up becoming part of the d c comics mm-hmm. universe eventually um What's not often known about Marston is that he and his wife and their one time assistant, and his wife was a very distinguished professor in right, they lived uh, for decades in a polyamorous. Relationship. This was effectively, you know, two wives and one man. I wouldn't call it polygamous. It was really polyamorous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he was only married to the wife. He was married to the wife, but the wives also had a relationship. So it was literally not. It was. It was a complete and perfect uh, love triangle, and and it was known quite openly at the time among most people that were in their in their company. And, uh, they, you know, they were thought kind of, they were thought that they were sort of weird about it. Um, so this takes a rather sensationalized uh, approach to it. It goes a little, it tries to sex it up a little bit too much. Luke Evans plays Professor Marston with that square jaw
1: of his, his uh, dazzling good looks. It's, it's, somebody go out and look up the actual Professor Marston. That's it. Rebecca Hall, yeah, who is same no slouch, plays somebody go, wife. Somebody go up and look, out, look up his actual
0: wife. Bella Heathcote, the gorgeous, fetching Bella Heathcote plays that...
1: Shy young thing that they invite into their perverse marriage. Now, now I haven't looked her up, Uh but no. somehow I've looked up the other two. I, I really have. But I'm not being mean. The end
0: of the movie has photos of the real people yeah. over the credits. Yeah. And when that happens, you go, really? Like
1: what? Really? <laughs> it's like. Because uh, that ain't. this uh, Okay. I don't want to have sex with any of you people. <laughs> All right, so you're freaky with your Wonder Woman, and just, uh, it's just I, I could
0: have recommended some actors to play them, and uh, the movie would have. If,
1: if it wanted, but you know they they were they were doing a different thing. Yeah,
0: they're doing a different thing here. They're really they're really you know playing playing the sexy aspect of it, which is silly. Uh, it's not a terrible film, but it's just I wish it were a little bit more you know true to the true to the actual and the actual events.
1: Uh, Which might have been interesting. Uh, yeah.
0: Let's yeah, let's uh, and last one here. We've got um, Hangman, an Al Pacino film that just came and went, uh, like a lot of them. Like yeah, lately uh, Pirates of Somalia. Yeah, that that thing just came and went. They sent us a, a, an award screener of that. I don't think anybody even watched it. Al Pacino is just making movies that nobody yeah.
1: sees these days. The Humbling was the last one that I got through. It's bizarre, beginning to end.
0: Anyway, this is a uh, this is financed by Saban, released by Saban Films. It comes to us on uh, on Blu-ray and digital copy, Ultraviolet, courtesy of Lionsgate. Again, uh, and uh, Pacino is kind of coasting here. He's good. The movie's not really up to it. Uh, he is uh, he basically plays a, a homicide detective, uh, and Carl Urban plays his partner, and they're just chasing a serial killer, and that's kind of it. Brittany Snow plays a journalist who's uh kind of completes the dramatic tension while we're looking for the uh, for the killer but uh, otherwise there is nothing here that really is all that original or innovative it's just uh, it's kind of a f- really really formulaic film elevated by the fact that Al Pacino's in it and yeah. has has a decent supporting cast. Uh, I still I love Brittany Snow. I think she's she's wonderful. I I'm iffy on Carl Urban, but I always enjoy Pacino. He just somehow makes even dumb stuff look interesting.
1: Yeah. Ooh-ah! Yeah.
0: Well, except for that movie. Yeah. I hate what
1: are that you gonna movie? do? Wallflower. A couple of television shows actually um, uh, that I have over here. Uh, seasons one and two of Wallflowers, which is just a really little uh, cute show. This is. Um, uh, uh, uh mostly uh, about this uh, sort of gay these, these gay couples uh, and they're in this sort of little support group and none of them could get dates and they sort of go back and forth and they create a little family of their own and it's really really cute. Uh, and this is seasons one and two and you'll probably like it quite a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, Dropping the Soap uh, is even funnier. It's, just the title is, uh, is funny. <laughs> um, uh, 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 In Wallflowers is a web series, by the way. Yeah. It's, it's one of those web series sort of adaptations. Dropping the Soap is behind the scenes of this the sort of like soap opera, uh, television soap opera, and the soap opera is going badly, and it's going to go off the air, it's going to fail, and all that kind of stuff. And we're behind the scenes of all of that, and it's absolutely hysterical. Again, uh, sort of gay, yeah. g- comedic, this, that, and the other thing. But it's fun. Ten episodes of that here, just Charlie. Actually, it's a little bit more poignant and more serious. It's a movie, uh, movie. It's about a young man who's one hell of a football player, uh, but he's really a girl trapped in a boy's body. Uh, you're know, one of those kind of things, sure. you know. Uh, and, and, and loves football and wants to do all of that, but the gender thing just isn't right. And when he tells people and you know, his football buddies and all that, you're gonna, you know. In do? the era of, uh, of the Jenners and the Kardashians, I, that's the right time. <laughs> yeah, what, what you gonna, it's a lovely thing. Uh, Sebastian. This is a neat movie in the context uh, of uh, uh, Call Me By Your Name and uh, that wonderful uh, Chilean uh, foreign film, uh, Fantastic Woman. Oh, yes, which is Oscar-nominated. Which is Oscar-nominated. Yeah. You know, I, I think about those two films and I think about this film, and this film could be seen right in the context of all of those. It's a perfectly lovely, romantic movie. Uh, it, so it's like, you, you know those Before Sunrise, Before Sunset movies, those Ethan Hawke movies, you know, J, uh, yep. uh, Richard L- L- F- like that, only instead of it being Richard and Julie Delphi, it's yeah. these two perfectly lovely young men yeah. who meet and they have a moment. It's just great stuff. Uh, what else do I have here? Um, this is Teenage Cocktail, uh, how, 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 how Annie and Jules Fell in Love. This is just the cutest little – there was a wonderful little gay film years ago called The Incredibly, the Incredibly True Adventures of Two Girls in Love. Uh, And this is exactly that, uh, uh, only with (laughs) grown-ups. It's exactly that, only with grown-ups. Perfectly lovely movie. And
0: rounding out the uh, the LGBT stack here, we've got a couple from TLA releasing. Uh, French Kisses is a collection of uh, gay shorts from France. Uh nothing yeah you know, it's it's uneven. Uh gay shorts tend to sometimes be a little bit too parochial. Sometimes there's they, they cross over. Uh they're all very well done, by the way. And there is a tradition in France of making uh specifically LGBT uh themed shorts. There is a, a kind of a, a cottage industry there for it. Uh Body of Angels is uh, is one of the better ones here. Uh Juliette Electrique is also quite good. Um, and then we've also got "Seat in Shadow" by the director Henry Coombs from TLA Releasing, um, which is, um, I, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit too clever for its own good. It's not, it's not poorly made, but it kind of, um, it's uh, you know, the whole there's a, there's a, um, a psychotherapeutic. Undertow to this that I, I sometimes find a little bit too pretentious, but um, you know, in in terms of uh, looking at, at relationships, it 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 certainly it's not the worst I've ever seen. Mm. And then um, not really my speed, but I, I can certainly appreciate the uh, the gimmick to it. Uh, Paul Oramland Orm, is the uh, documentarian. Uh, he's a gay man who decided to track down, you know, uh, sort of trying to get behind the the mythos of gay promiscuity. And he wanted to go back to 100 of his one-night stands, Mm -hmm. track down 100 men that he'd had, you know, just a one-night stand with. And, um, and sort of see if he could, you know, reconnect to them as more dimensional people. Anyway, it's called 100 Men. What would 100 former lovers say to you? So it's trying to sort of take... Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, a, I, I, it, it's more interesting in concept than in execution, but yeah. I, think it's a, I think it's an interesting idea for somebody to do, in, you know, as far as these sort of personal experience, personal essay films. Um, it is, it's certainly one that, uh, that has something to say
1: beyond the gay community. Mm. Uh, Roman and Romalo... Part two, yeah, uh, which is interesting because this is, this is sort of a quasi Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. Yeah. These two families, two crime families, something happened. A very we covered long the first season ago. of this. I still, season I still don't know show. how to pronounce the title. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and, uh, and and then these two young men from one from the other family, yeah. they meet and they fall in love, and it sort of uh, throws. Like I said, Romeo and Juliet yeah. uh, between these two sort of crime families, and this thing happened a long time ago. Uh, it's actually quite quite a good series. Uh, the you know the, the first one for sure, and and this one as well. Uh, anyway, nice stuff. So, uh, classic movies, *Hell or High
0: Water*. If you bought the uh, the Blu-ray combo set uh, about a year ago, you're going to be really upset because they <laughs> just you are because they just released the the 4K of it and it's really really gorgeous. Uh, this is a really good movie yeah. and uh, well worth its uh, its Oscar nominations at the time. Um. Again, Lionsgate and Ultraviolet. So I I think you're going to want to hope that Ultraviolet, the uh, the Ultraviolet thing that is now exclusively pretty much HBO and Lionsgate, and I think Paramount is Paramount the one holdout studio on there. Yeah, I think they are. Um, that that will all fold into movies anywhere at some point. But in any case, you do at least you know get that here uh anyway nothing nothing significantly different it's the same movie just it looks freaking gorgeous uh in 4k and jeff bridges crow's feet look awesome (laughs) they look awesome as opposed to well
1: uh the other guy
0: (laughs) yeah um what else we got uh let's see benji oh dear Uh, oh
1: dude dude benji joe camps benji absolutely fantastic i went to this
0: for a friend's birthday
1: uh, like a birthday party, like, like a, little, a birthday party, like a little kid birthday party. We back were little in the day.
0: kids. I was a little kid. It was like, oh, we're gonna go see Benji! Yay, Benji! And well, we went, well, to, well, the, we we went to the Monica Theater and watched Benji, and I—that's all I remember. The,
1: the thing that I love most about Benji is that Aunt B from the old Andy Griffith yeah. show, uh, yeah. you know, in yeah. Benji. Uh, anyway, I, and I love that it's told from the dog's point of view. Yeah, you're—you know—you're—you're you're, you're, you're wrong. I don't think we appreciated Benji. that at the time. It was a perfectly. We were eating stuff. popcorn <laughs> that somebody bought for us. So anyway, uh, here it is. Uh, Benji. Uh, special features include a commentary uh, with Joe and Brandon Camp, the brothers who you know produced and made this film, and a behind-the-scenes featurette, uh, the phenomenon of Benji. Because what, what did they make about uh, three of these? Two or three of these Benji uh, movies. Oh gosh! Benji, at Benji, least. Benji, Benji. This and then Benji they remade that. it some yeah. years
0: ago. They've been trying to ride the Benji. Tra- I don't know why it was never <laughs> that Benji popular. Train.
1: Ride the Benji train. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I,
0: love the, I love the notion of that. Uh, uh some some uh some older classic stuff here uh three from the warner archives that are really really worth checking out uh i love it when they just really dig deep the, the people at warner archive are just so much fun got an old first national film here um called goodbye again with warren william and joan Blondell a uh, whole lot of fun in this this is this is one of those battle of the sexes movies from oh, yeah. the earlier days and it is still just totally works. Joan Blondell is so so f- just wonderful. I, I Just one of those old actresses I just can't get enough of and um, then Richard Bartholomus uh, or Barthelmus, uh in The Finger Points which is also a, a, a cra- I think this is pre-code actually this was also a first national film and uh, this is a, a gangster film, basically. A uh, you know that was the era of gangster films, and Warner Brothers kind of ruled it at the time. Yeah. Uh, this it was first national, and eventually wound up with uh, with Warner Brothers. Um, but there's some some really really great early performances here by uh, by actors who would go on to you know much much bigger things, including Clark Gable. Mm. And uh, it, that that part of it really really makes it very fun. And then lastly, there is chances a uh, a terrific performance by Douglas Fairbanks Jr uh in a uh, this really really cool pre-code World War 1 film that uh is unlike anything else I ever saw Douglas Fairbanks Jr in certainly um you know it's sound we normally associate him with uh with the the silent era but uh boy this really it, it is, you know a lot of great World War 1 films from the early 30s and uh, the late silent era in the late 20s and um this really this this has you know this has some moments and uh alan Dwan, who directed this of course would go on to do a lot of kind of adventure films we yeah. talked about one i think last week uh anyway uh Dwan, really solid director for this kind of material and uh it just all clicks it just all really really clicks beautifully so douglas fairbanks jr in
1: chances great pre-code world war one film uh, ostensibly directed and produced, produced and directed by Howard Hughes, the Outlaw, the Outlaw. Uh-huh. Uh, the film that gave us Jane Russell's bosoms. Yes. Uh I uh, grew up knowing
0: her for the crossover bra. I didn't that, realize that. crossover d- bra,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think something to do with orange juice, if I recall. Oh no, though, no that's, that was uh, that uh, was the uh, other one. In Florida. Yeah, yeah, down yeah, yeah, yeah. in Florida. Now the Jane Russell was b- her this is her in Maryland and all that kind of stuff. Um uh it, you know, this was a fairly controversial film at the time, considered was. extremely risque. Yeah. Uh, audio commentary by historian Troy uh, Haworth. Is that what it is? Haworth, Haworth, I think. Yeah, uh, there. So you know, in, anyway, a very interesting film. This is a gorgeous two K restoration, and that's what what you're really going to this for. Get that two K restoration, 1943 in black and white. Covered wagon uh, was a neat uh, movie. Uh, again, another classic. Uh, it's, 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 it's set in Kansas and it's about these, uh, about these two covered wagons that sort of join up, uh, what is now Kansas city. And they're going to push, uh, join together into a wagon train and take, and make the push down the Oregon trail. And so basically it's about, uh, crossing over those mountains. It's about, yeah. it's about fighting with Indians. It's about doing all the things that the, uh, that those, uh, folks had to do back in the day. It's absolutely a stunning movie. Beautiful black and white. Audio commentary. uh, No, this is by Toby Ronan, this this particular audio commentary. And uh, uh, an essay and uh, a short one spoof reel uh, starring Shirley Temple. I mean, it's just more stuff than you can shake a stick at. Um, Covered Wagon, 1923.
0: We have the first of what is going to be a really, really, really cool series from uh, Sprocket Vault. And I love Sprocket Vault stuff. They 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 also dig deep. This is Charlie Chase at Hal Roach, the Talkies, Volume 1, 1930 to nineteen thirty-one. Uh, and here there are a lot of reasons I love this. So Charlie Chase, spelled C H A R L E Y, was a silent era comic who uh, was wonderful. He was uh, sort of the second rung, you know, mm-hmm. at the top rung you had Chaplin, Keaton, and uh, Harold Lloyd. And then, you know, at the second tier, there were a whole bunch of different guys, and uh, Charlie Chase was kind of the top of the second tier. But still, that's a pretty damn fine tier. I mean, really, really funny guy. Uh, Anyway, he he made the transition to talkies. And, you know, that was a little tough for for Chaplin and and Keaton, less so for Harold Lloyd. Mm -hmm. But um, he made the transition beautifully and uh, continued to work for Hal Roach and uh this is basically all the shorts that he made in 1930 and 1931 and there's some funny stuff here 50 million husbands uh rough Seas, what a bozo uh and then you also get a, a couple of interesting uh, uh extras here including a richard m roberts uh, set richard, richard m roberts set of commentaries and the spanish version of one of these shorts which is the the Ameri- the english language version is the uh, the pip from pittsburgh in uh, Spanish, it's called La Senorita de Chicago. Um, and what I also like about this is that they go, uh, they, are, they are very upfront about the fact that many of these co star Thelma Todd. Uh, Charlie Chase at Hal Roach, The Talkies of uh, Volume 1, 1930 to 1931, featuring yeah. Thelma Todd. Thelma Todd, on now, the here's, cover. Here's the thing about Thelma Todd and why Thelma Todd's a big deal. Uh, I, every single day, I drive past the building that was Thelma Todd's restaurant on oh, Pacific yeah. Coast Highway oh, yeah. in Pacific Palisades. <laughs> uh, it later was owned by the Catholic Church, which was turned into a production house. The you know there was uh they, you know, the Catholic Church had a production arm that made a lot of these kind of faith movies back in the day. That was Paulist Productions, mm-hmm. and they were located in that building for decades. And it was recently sold, and I don't and they're remodeling it now. But they have to stay true. It's a it's yeah. a preserved building. building. yeah. But it, it was still originally Thelma Todd's, and they made a TV movie on Thelma Todd, starring Lonnie Anderson, back yeah. in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about Thelma Todd was, Thelma Todd was, Thelma Todd was sleeping with gangsters Lucky, and Lucky Luciano. And, oh, and she and she had and there was a anyway, Thelma Todd was murdered. Yeah. And she was murdered, and they found her body in a, uh, on the stairs right near Thelma Todd's restaurant. And uh, her lover was found dead in his car mm-hmm. uh, about two streets up. All of these are places that I've walked past, and I've visited these places all like constantly. I live near them. And it's an amazing story. And Thelma Todd, that legendary Thelma Todd who was murdered, who was sleeping with their leading man and all this stuff, there there, there it is. She's she's with Charlie Chase in in half these shorts. More than half.
1: Man, amazing. Uh, Threads. Uh, The tagline for this movie 1984 when it came out is, this is the closest that you will ever come to nuclear war. And what it was was a documentary-style narrative film uh, about a nuclear attack on Sheffield, England. And it is so so good. It was very upsetting when it aired in the B, uh, on the BBC back in 1984, and then eventually on PBS, sort of around the world, because it it, it felt so completely real. Yeah, the performances and and, yeah. and, and it was shot very. Uh, cinema verite good 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 stuff this comes with an audio commentary by director mick jackson uh, as as well as the writers of the film uh karen uh uh, mihar's audition for apocalypse now karen mihar this is her debut film we know her from apocalypse now right but this is her debut film nice uh this film so this is a very very good movie uh you know i don't know in some ways kind of timely restored 2k scan and just a few more things to wrap
0: out the show. Uh, Gate 2, which is a a very funny, campy, culty sequel to the original Gate. This is from 1990. It really belongs to the 80s. It's very much an 80s uh, movie, you know, like uh, ghoulies and all that stuff. That's yeah. from that same sensibility. Uh, directed by uh, Tibor K- Takash, who was a real schlockmeister back in the day. Uh, you know what? If you, if you like Gate, you will uh, – the the Gate, the yeah. original The Gate, you will love uh, Gate 2. Uh, it's 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 the same stuff and it's, you know, all that interdimensional goofball stuff that's just uh, it's so campy now. Um, and then uh, I love the tagline. This one, There's only one thing more terrifying than the first visit. <laughs> the second. <laughs> Why would you make a second visit? Uh, uh, and then we've got a six DVD set. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, five films and 20, te- 20 hours of television. Uh, this, is, this is stuff that is available separately, but it's nice to sort of have it all in a single set from Mill Creek. Uh, you get the, this combines the comedy triple feature, the Jerry Lewis comedy triple feature, which we covered some weeks ago, yeah. of uh, Don't Raise the Bridge, Lower the River, Hook, Line, and Sinker, and Three on a Couch, along with the comedy double feature of Dean Martin, Who Was That Lady and How to Save a Marriage and Ruin Your Life, along with uh, 28 uh, episodes of Martin Lewis from television, their television show. Yeah. Um, so just so everybody understands, these aren't Martin and Lewis team movies. These are three Jerry Lewis movies, two Dean Martin movies, and then 28 episodes of their television stuff together. Um, so it's a nice sort of general broad based compilation uh, of stuff you might otherwise never think to pick up, but you might want to pick it up in a single box set. It's nice and affordably priced. And and then you got it. Then you and got, then got it. You got it. Uh let me hit a couple of foreign things real quickly here. Three uh that I have here that I, are really, really nice special uh, edition sets. Um the first one was from Kino Classics, a three-disc set of Underground, which won the Palm Dor at Cannes. Um this is the second time that Emir kostarica the great Serbian director, won the Palm Dor. Uh, the first was Papa's Away on Business, uh, and uh, you know, Costa nails it here. He's always been kind of a kind of like a Balkan Fellini, yeah. Um, but Underground is an amazing movie. This was uh, made in 1995. Basically, he tells the story of um, uh, two guys who are, you know, they're they're like black market uh, dealers during World War II, and then they go for reasons I won't get into into this underground cellar and they and they and they wind up there for about 20 years and uh, it's it, it the repercussions of that and the circumstances surrounding that it's really quite it's 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 you know it's a metaphor it's an allegory it's all those things but it's also really really smart and very original lots of great stuff on here uh 1996 documentary on the making of the film is fascinating And uh, there's also a lot of behind-the-scenes footage and interviews with cast and crew. And then a couple here from uh, Arrow Academy, the uh, Federico Fellini film that goes right along with Underground Orchestra Rehearsal, The Decline of the West in C Major. The subtitle of that is often not repeated. It's not just orchestra rehearsal. It's The Decline of the West in C Major, Mm. which tells you everything that you need to know about this. This was made in... uh, uh... 1978 originally for television released theatrically in 1979 and uh it, it just it's really a, it's really a surreal fascinating movie um and then also from Arrow Academy is uh Henri Georges Clouzot's Inferno this is the film that we gave a uh, a, 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 a an award to at um the Kolkoa uh, Festival some years ago we gave this our top award And uh, this is this is an extraordinary documentary about a movie that never was there was uh, the Henri-Georges Clouseau wanted to make this movie Inferno that was just you know tempestuous uh, kind of romantic thriller about obsession very much in the vein of, of vertigo and he actually started to shoot it in 1964 and never finished the film for reasons that are all explained in the film. And uh, you see all the original footage here, mm-hmm. and you see you know where it was going to go, and how daring he was going to be this stylistically, all this psychedelic stuff. Uh, really, an unbelievable. It was going to be an unbelievable movie, and it, the story behind the making of the movie and why it didn't get made is actually even more extraordinary than the movie itself. Years later, Claude Chabral would, of course, shoot the same script mm-hmm. in his movie, but that's a Claude Chabral movie. And if you ever have a chance to pick up the Cohen Blu-ray of that film you will hear a commentary by me. Uh, so I do have a certain passion for this story, but um, this documentary is unbelievable. This is one of the all-time great documentaries, and the story of how this documentary happened, how the filmmaker bumped into uh, Clouseau's widow in an elevator where, in which they were trapped together is even is like a, a story all <laughs> unto itself. So it's really amazing. Henri-Georges Clouseau's Inferno, uh, by Serge Bromberg and uh, Roxandra Med Medria
1: from Arrow Academy. Oh, you're so good with the names. I'm not even going to go. Tom of, Finl- of Finland. Uh, if you ever wondered where the sort of gay male leather fetishistic sort of art and, uh, for that matter, clothing comes from it comes from Tom of Finland, yeah, which is not his name that was his artistic uh, non-diploma whatever you would call it his name is Finnish and I'm not going to try to pronounce it so he was this, he was this he was this guy who's actually a war hero World War II war hero who comes home he's a gay man the gays are being persecuted you know all across Europe he was like a war hero but he was a war hero yeah uh, and, uh, he, and and he refused to sort of acquiesce. Uh, he became uh, quite an artist, and that art that you see of extremely buff uh, men, mustaches, mustaches, and the, the leather and yeah, your cats. Real, um, I was that movie at the Pacino movie from uh, back in the day? Cruising, cruising. That yeah. look. that's yeah. that you know, part and parcel of his art and fashion and all of that stuff. And this movie is a biopic. About that guy, yeah. that man, who was really you know, uh, an, 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 an anarchistic sort of figure, and an, an, um, an iconoclast. Uh, and this is really, really a neat movie about him. He's a gay hero, obviously, but to me, just sort of his, a heroic figure in general. This comes with all kinds of neat stuff, deleted scenes, and uh, we actually go to Tom's house in Finland in the, in the special features, where we actually did a lot of his work uh, uh, and the campaign, a featurette, just everything you can think of a really neat piece of history and explains something that you might not have known where it came from uh, before. Neat stuff. I like it quite a lot.
0: And that's it for this week. So uh, go to scpr.org and grab yourself some tickets for our Film Week uh, Ace Theater show the afternoon of Sunday the 25th. Come on over. We'll be there right about noon. I think the show kicks off at about one p.m. Yeah, and I it love will, it. Nice it will, afternoon show. It's a great afternoon show, and it will of course be uh, be, be aired on Friday the second and Saturday the third, right before the Oscars on the fourth. And uh, it'll be a good time. Good time had by all. And uh, I think then we will have. Um, we should have one more show then before the Oscars, but I think we will. Uh, yeah, we'll have one more show before the Oscars. Okay. And Then we'll talk a little bit about our predictions and uh, and all that fun stuff, and try to get that up on the on the site. We've all been super busy lately, so the site hasn't been super updated. But Tim wrote a terrific review that you're definitely going to want to go check out on the site. So um, go visit cinegods.com, visit scpr.org, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.